goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finding McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. All right, guys, uh, well, welcome back to another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. Uh, kind of crazy news just broke. Uh, we we actually have a special guest today, Ashton Pollard of On3Sports. She's a national desk writer for them. I believe, Ashton, uh, you are a graduate of Penn and also a graduate or in grad school with, uh, from, with Northwestern, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I went to Penn undergrad and then I graduated from Northwestern um, in September, actually. So fresh out of Northwestern grad school. Per- perfect. Well, congratulations. I'm glad I nailed that without asking you prior to this, <laughs> to this show. Thank um, you. But, but as I mentioned, we obviously we have a loaded show for you guys today. A lot of Kelly centric, uh, as we found out pretty much right when we hit record today was that uh, Brian Kelly, or at least Pete Thamel, is reporting um, from sources that Brian Kelly is going to uh, take the LSU head coaching job. Um, I've seen some reports that essentially he's going to make double his salary. So, you know, from a, you know, before we kind of get into into too much detail, it's hard to blame a guy if he's going to get that much um, more money. Um, but at the same time, with him being the Notre Dame coach since 2010 elevating the program to one uh, one national championship appearance, two other playoff appearances, and just, you know, essentially the epitome of just great football um, and, and maybe to the extent that Notre Dame can reach at this point. Um, you know, maybe they'll never win a national championship, at least over the next, you know, 10, 15 years because of some other things at, at hand. But, um you know, it, they've certainly are the epitome of excellence, I, I think, at least from an, a high academic and football uh, standpoint, um, or at least the best you can do in, in those two aspects. So, um, Mason, you haven't talked yet. I know you were crying before we hopped on. So what, what do you what are your kind of initial thoughts? In the- yeah, no actual tears, but it might as well be. Um, I, my head's just spinning. I can't remember a time like this where. I have like I've been at like a loss for words. Usually, I you know I I, I like to think I'm decently well spoken, but uh, day like today, man, I don't know. Uh, usually, we kind of you and I are kind of are plugged into the program, so you kind of have a good feeling about things before they happen. But even this morning, you and I both you know shared the same sentiment in that they would have to drop a bag for Kelly to leave. He's got this program exactly where he wants it. He's recruiting at a level he's he's never been at before. Notre Dame is has a legitimate shot in the next two or three years to win a national championship. And then boom, he's gone. So um, there's so many question marks around the program that didn't exist less than an hour ago. So um, trying to figure that all out in my head and uh, before I leave for Mexico tomorrow. So um, super, super pumped about that. And hopefully I'm fun on vacation. And Ashton, I know you said that you did actually cry. I don't know if you were joking or not. <laughs> when, uh... oh, no, I was, no, I was serious. Uh, <laughs> and I guess I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to, supposed to say that as a national writer, but yes, I did in fact cry. And for those of you that don't know, I mean, Ashton obviously is the national desk writer for On3Sports, a, a very new um, 
you know, essentially another 24 seven sports is kind of the way I take it. Another rivals type of company. Um, they handle, you know, just a lot of different things, recruiting a main part of that, but, but Ashton is, you know, first and foremost, just like myself and Mason before, we, before analysts to an extent, we are Notre Dame fans. So when stuff like this transpires, we are going to be Notre Dame fans um, and, and try to give you the analysis that we, we need. So uh, I, <laughs> I think I understand your, your frustration and your sadness, Ashton. Yeah, I can elaborate if you'd, if you'd like. So I guess like, and I'll, I'll echo what Mason said, because to his point about like being relatively well-spoken, like as, as sports media people, like we like to think we're very well-spoken and I am kind of also at a loss for words. Like I was just talking to my mom on the phone and I was just like, I, she, we were talking and I was like, I have to go. And she's like, why or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm going on this Notre Dame podcast. It was supposed to be like a Stanford recap. And I was just thinking like, wow, that seems like it was 40 years ago. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm my initial thought. If you'd like me to go ahead and share my initial thought or we can, y'all can go. What, what, it, what is your, no, opinion? go for it. Let it all out right now. <laughs> okay. yeah, we're, we're not talking Stanford today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm frustrated because, so I was born in 1995. So I missed, I think similar to you guys, like I missed the late eighties. I missed when Notre Dame was last very, very good. Basically when I was born, everything went, um, try not to curse everything, everything went, started going poorly. So I think that like, we grew up like Ty Willingham, Charlie Weiss. And like, yes, Charlie Weiss, like at that point going nine and three with Brady Quinn was like, wow, this is so much fun. We're going nine and three. Now it's like nine and three is a failure. And we had finally gotten, I think, to this place where it was like, we're going to win double digit games because this is what the fifth year in a row we've done it. Like the program looks really good. The recruiting looks really good. And as you guys have mentioned, like recruiting in Notre Dame is difficult because you have the academic component. And I'm not trying to bash other schools when I say that or sound like a pompous Notre Dame fan. Like that is just an objective fact. Like there is an academic component that maybe you don't have elsewhere. So I think like for the first time, in my lifetime, I was like, oh my God, like Notre Dame could actually win a national title. A couple years, I had people that like are not Notre Dame fans or texting me and they were like, I think, uh, and this is not like Alabama is going to lose tomorrow and become like a six and six, 500 team tomorrow. But it was like, Saban is going to be out in a few years. Alabama is not the juggernaut it used to be. Clemson's having Oklahoma's going to the SEC. Like there's kind of a little bit of this window, not for Notre Dame to become as dominant as Alabama, but like, do you guys kind of get what I mean? Like it, like and Georgia obviously is very good this year, but like Georgia has flaws too, especially on the offensive side. And like, they haven't been able to put together. This is kind of like a lightning in the bottle season is how I see it. So there was a little bit of a door opened for Notre Dame to kind of hop into that void. And again, not like Alabama, anyone in the SEC country listens to this and like tweets at me that Notre Dame's not Alabama. I know that, but I think that like there was a little bit of a door. Everything was kind of coming together for the first time in my life. And then this happens and it's really frustrating. Um, and I'm a little careful about what I say, given what my job is. I'm not going to bash, but I am, I'm upset. We'll put it that way. That was a little bit of rambling. But, but. <laughs> and, I, well, and I think to your point a little bit, I mean, you look at this season specifically for Notre Dame. I mean, they go 11 and one, you know, they start the season off very slow. Um, you know, they, they almost lose to Florida state. They, they, they almost lose to, you know, they have, 
They have, they do lose to Cincinnati who, you know, obviously is undefeated and a very good group of five program, but not someone that Notre Dame expects to lose to on a yearly basis. And they still end up going 11 and one. They figured things out after the bye week their offense looks so much better. Freeman actually produces the Notre Dame's best defensive performance um, on a yearly. I think it was like their scoring defense was actually the best that it has been, even when you include Mike Elko and Clark Lee over the last several years, which I think is crazy to think about when you look at sort of the, you know, where the defense was, even, you know, middle of the season, you lose Kyle Hamilton, you before the season even starts, you lose a lot of depth at other positions, you know, and then moving back to the offensive side of the football, the offensive line was nowhere near Notre Dame standards. The running game was nowhere near Notre Dame standards, not because of a lack of talent and, and Jack Cohn for lack of, for lack of another word was a statue um, yep. and the offensive line couldn't protect him. So to go 11 and one in this year, this season with the way things started, at least the first, you know, like six or seven weeks of the, of the season, I was absolutely like, I mean, I think the, I'm a very optimistic Notre Dame fan and analyst in, in general. Mason knows this. I'm always talking him and other people that I know that are Notre Dame fans, like off a ledge when something happens. Um, I did that a lot with my dad because my dad was the most pessimistic person on the planet. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it, from but but still going 11 and one after what we saw to start the year was was crazy to me and it really showed you where this where this program has gotten to just on a floor level when maybe they didn't even have the talent to really go 11 and one I mean obviously I think the schedule helped a little bit this year with some of the teams being down but but it really is I mean like just going based off what you said I mean this year specifically with Georgia really being the only team that scares you like imagine if Tyler Buckner was a senior this year Notre Dame might have the best team in the country and and I don't think that that's some far off statement to make I agree with you yeah um I was just gonna add like to that um and I actually tweeted this earlier but there are only two teams in college football to the consistency point there are only two teams in the FBS that in the last four years have averaged more than 30 points on offense and allowed fewer than 20 points and they're Notre Dame and Alabama. So it's like that consistency was there. Like this was not like 2012 was great. It was fun, especially because it hadn't happened in a while, but like, it was a little bit of a one-off. We saw how much, like how, how much, how I think we saw after the fact, like kind of how lucky that team got. And it was a very solid football team. You don't go 12 and 0 if you're not solid, but like, I think there was a little bit of luck. Like the program wasn't as healthy as it is now, like now it's like we're sitting here and like Notre Dame just went 11 and one. And prior to like an hour ago, every, like Notre Dame was like kind of an afterthought. I mean, there's a little bit of the playoff talk, whatever, but like, you know what I mean? It's like Notre Dame went 11 and one. And on Saturday night, we were all just kind of like, okay, cool. Like that's fun. Like, like that, that to me signals that like this program is like one of the healthiest, like a top five healthiest program in the country. Yes. There's a gap between Alabama. There's also a Georgia Clemson, Ohio state, Oklahoma gap still, even though a lot of those are out of the playoff, but you know what I mean? Um, so yes, I'll stop rambling, but yes, it's the consistency that like it had finally become consistent and it kind of feels like the rug was pulled out from under us. You got anything Mason? Yeah. no, <laughs> No, I just I agree with all your guys' sentiment. Really, um, I am happy that the program is left like kind of like you guys said in a in a healthy state where somebody can come up, come through, and pick up where Kelly left off, and all wasn't lost. It's certainly in a better position than Kelly left it, where 
he had to come in and, and do everything and to get it to this point. You know, it's it's crazy that he got it to, to where it is now, especially considering the whole debacle that was 2016. But to me, it's just really shocking that, you know, I'm, I'm seeing all these the current players and recruits and everybody just tweeting, wow, then, you know, they're just they're so shocked. And the fact that they didn't know is is just so unbelievable. Um, none of the coaches knew. None of the players seemed to know. None of the recruits seemed to know. And um, this isn't the way I'm sure he wanted it to be done. But uh, whoever whoever comes in it, it has one of the best jobs in college football. And if they can hang on to this 2022 class and continue to recruit the 2023 class, the future is very bright. And, um, you know, if this is – I don't know if this was necessarily the plan. I saw somebody just say that, you know, when uh, when – Nathan, when John tweeted out during the summer that Kelly slipped up and said that Freeman would be the next head coach. Um, I don't think this is planned that long ago, but, uh, you know, it could be. And it's, it's kind of fun to think about it. Freeman is the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited, but uh, kind of rambling. I don't even know where to, where to go from here. <laughs> oh, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that I knew anything was going on, but I, I, and I'm not going to tell you the well-placed Notre Dame guy, but I was, I was talking to him and this was like over the summer and it was after they had hired Freeman. There were a lot of rumors obviously going around that Freeman would not be the coach, you know, for more than a couple of years because he'd end up getting a head coaching job. And this guy told me, he goes, listen, there were a lot of like weird things that went down when Notre Dame ended up getting LSU because LSU could have offered him more money. Obviously they're showing that right now with Kelly and and it would have been essentially just as good of a job overall. I mean, I know we we obviously love Notre Dame and we think Notre Dame's a better job right now than LSU, but I think in general it's a very equal job in terms of the possibility of winning national championships and just being prominent on the national stage on a yearly basis. But at the same time, there there had to have been – I mean, I, I, it just wouldn't surprise me, I guess, is what I'm really getting at here is it would not surprise me if Marcus Freeman was sort of named the head coach in waiting in private, a lot like Ivy was, um, you know, yeah. with, with the women's basketball program, like people always say Swarbrick's not going to do anything with the head coach in waiting, but then it came out right after Ivy was hired that she was essentially named the head coach in, <laughs> in waiting under McGraw. So it, it just wouldn't shock me if they promised some extent with Freeman and at least maybe Freeman and Kelly had had discussions that there was a possibility that a, he would retire B if someone offered him a boatload of cash, he would leave. If the right NFL gig came, came about, he would possibly leave and so on and so forth. So again, yeah. not saying it's a hundred percent. I'm not saying that it's not, a, it's, it wasn't at least up in up for discussion. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I always thought that, if if he was going to leave, it would be it would be an NFL thing. I, I think just a couple of years or ago, retiring. Was, yeah, right. Yeah, and he has all the the he has like six houses in in the Indiana Indiana and uh, Michigan <laughs> area. It, like, I, how do you just? I don't know. I I thought you know when he was talking about the Eagles a couple of years ago, if you want to try out the NFL thing, and for a lot of college guys, it doesn't seem to work. So then you just ride off in the sunset on your lake house and just chill but he wants to start over and something new. And I get wanting to chase a national championship and uh, um, maybe he feels like he peaked at Notre Dame. That's it's possible, but I I think the program's in the best spot that it was in a way that's cool. Rather than, uh, you know, kind of half asset for, for lack of a better term and coast in this last couple of years. And he, where he doesn't want to um, leave the program in a good spot for somebody that's, that's hungry and, and wants to continue to improve and chase a national championship at, 
at a really difficult spot to do it like a like a Marcus Freeman. So I'm um, trying to trying to convince myself this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I I've done a little bit of that and the I've talked to a couple of people in the last hour about it and they've kind of said all right, like, let's look forward who maybe this is like a silver lining. It, I mean, it's not like 11, 12 years, whatever is like an inconsequential amount of time. Like he had time, he couldn't do it. Does that maybe that opens the door for somebody who could do it and you can get it sooner rather than later it being a national title. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's, I, I think it's difficult barring like Freeman, honestly, like I'm uncom- like, we've talked about this, like I'm kind of uncomfortable with, everybody and I'm still a little uncomfortable with Freeman given he's never run a college football program I think he's immensely talented and I think that um he could obviously eventually do it but I'm I'm a little I don't know the one thing know. I really like Please. about Freeman <laughs> the, one, the one thing I really like about Freeman and if I have to hold this podcast together guys I will <laughs> Please do. We're, we're reeling um the one thing I really like about Freeman, and and I kind of pointed this, Ashton's mentioned it. I know Mason obviously feels these sentiments as well because we've talked about it. But um, it is just the fact too that he's an elite recruiter. He he essentially showed this year in the 2022 class, at the end of the 2021 class when he was able to keep some of those, and obviously in the 2023 class landing some of the players that he has uh, so far, that he resonates with recruits. He's younger. He's energetic. He's a grinder on the trail. And I think a lot of the times that's going to lend itself to just, first of all, great recruiting across your entire staff. Cause he's only going to hire dogs. He's not going to hire anybody that, you know, I know Kelly has had this kind of mentioned with him in the past that he just, he wasn't up for the recruiting all the time. You've yeah. heard it with maybe some other Notre Dame guys. If, if Freeman's running your program, whether he is the best you know, coach in the world or, or mediocre, you know, on the trail working their ass off. And I think that's probably the most important thing because at the very least, I think Freeman's like smart enough to essentially, if it has to come down to that, he'll let his coordinators coordinate and he'll just go out and try to get the best talent as possible. And, and Notre Dame, you know, is going to resonate with players in general. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, it, 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 like Freeman was the bolt of energy that the staff needed for recruiting because yeah, like you said, like Brian Kelly was not, he did not like recruiting. That was, <laughs> that was obvious. They tried to do like all the pot of gold stuff. They did that thing on uh, St. Patrick's day. I forget what exactly they titled it, but it was like that big recruiting push and everyone was like super amped about that. And Freeman was, I think, I don't know if he was like personally behind it. Y'all probably know more about that than me, but like he definitely added that spark to it. So that does make me excited. And I think that I don't, I'm not in the head of these recruits, but I think that if he's, if he's is promoted to head coach, like he can probably keep a lot of them because a lot of them were committed to him and yes, they were committed to Kelly, of course, but like, you're not, you're, it's, it, you're passing along the torch as opposed to like reinventing the torch and it, not fully reinventing because there's a solid foundation, but you kind of know what I mean. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of guys are attracted to Freeman and why wouldn't you be? I mean, he's yeah. uh, not only one of the best recruiters in the country, but one of the best coaches as well. So there's so much to like about Freeman. Uh, it does freak me out a bit to have him as a first-time head coach. But um, I, I just said a minute ago that, uh, you know, it, the, the ideal scenario is if you can talk Freeman into staying as defensive coordinator, which seems 
highly unlikely. Um, I don't know why he would, but the dream scenario is you bring in Fickle and keep Freeman as a defensive coordinator. I personally would love that. I don't know how it happens, but that's what I would like. I saw a tweet that was like, what if Fickle coaches in the playoff, but it's not for Cincinnati? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> right. He just coaches Cincinnati <laughs> and Notre Dame. Yeah, just yeah. he stands on the fifty-yard line. It's like it's like Bob Stoops doing Big Ten uh, championship game stuff while being the interim Oklahoma head coach, which is apparently a thing that is happening next weekend. <laughs> and I want to and I want to kind of reference this. I mean, I know Notre when this comes out tomorrow, you know, uh, or this podcast when it comes out tomorrow, that everything could be finalized. I do want to reiterate that this is right now still a report. Um, there's even some rumors going around that no, that that Kelly has told some recruits that this is false. Don't know how much, how how uh, you know reputable those those reports are per se, but at the same time, um, there are a lot more coming out that he's already told his staff, told his players, is keeping certain guys, you know, on staff at LSU. So who who knows what's really going to go on? But but again, this is still just a report. But one thing I did want to kind of get to you guys, or at least specific. Um, Cause I know me and Mason are going to end up doing a mailbag questionnaire thing after, after we get off with you here. Um, but one of the questions that I know that we got on Twitter today was a, who are some guys and we'll leave Freeman out of this just cause we've already talked about him, but who are some guys that you would want Notre Dame to go after? Like who are maybe some top, some top three or four guys. Um, and then um, I mean, that's essentially it is like who, who are kind of the main guys you, you think Notre Dame would go after. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think me and Mason are going to end up answering this in our mailbag, but, I, but I'd like to get your take as well. Okay, yeah. Um, so here's a thought. What about bringing back Mike Elko? Um, he did very well at Notre Dame. He's still doing very well at Texas A&M. Um, he went to Texas A&M because they paid him a boatload of money. They might not be paying him the eight-ish million or whatever Brian Kelly is about to get at LSU, but I'm sure it's a little bit more than he's making at AM. I'm just thinking like I know I'm I'm trying to stray from the the Matt Campbell rumors are gonna be absurd. Um I'm personally not the biggest I'm trying to be a little bit careful. Personally not the biggest fan of what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State. I mean yeah he the program is the best it's ever been but it's also Iowa State. He had like 21 super seniors this year and they went seven and five. It was supposed to be the best team in program history. They went seven and five in like a very subpar big 12. Um, but so, I mean, like, yeah, like I, I don't like the, I don't love the idea of Matt Campbell. Um, Elko popped into my head aside from fickle and Freeman, which are very, very obvious. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I, I haven't thought a ton about this given it's only been about an hour. I've been thinking primarily about Freeman. Uh, but I mean, you look at, apparently Venables is probably going to Oklahoma. He's obviously a very good coach. Um, do you look at like Tony Elliott at Clemson? Um, he, I know they're not as good this year, but he has done a very, very good job there. I know Virginia tech is also looking at him, but I think Notre Dame, the Notre Dame job is a better job than the Virginia tech job. And I don't think that's an, an uncommon take. Um, <laughs> No offense, sorry, Virginia Tech people, but objectively speaking. Um, do you look at, like, um, what's the Penn State defensive coordinator's name? I don't know. I forget his name. But, like, I'm thinking of, like, this, like the big defense. Like, uh, what, if, what about, like, Dan Lanning at Georgia? Like, he has a big SEC background, but, like, do you want someone that can recruit the South? Because Notre Dame has been making inroads in Georgia. Um, they always had, like, a decent – 
inroad in Florida, but it's gotten better um, in the past couple of years. So like if you're, if the future is like Notre Dame versus the SEC with a little bit of big 10 sprinkled in, like, do you want someone that knows the South? Well, I'm kind of word vomiting and like thinking while I'm saying this, but like, do you know what, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, so I was looking at the, I was looking at the coaching staff at Notre Dame earlier and like, they're all so Midwest. It's not even funny. And like, I kind of, like, I kind of knew that, but I was shocked at like, like no one has SEC experience. They're all, all Midwest. I mean, like Lance Taylor was at Stanford for a little while. Um, Brian Polian was obviously at Nevada um, and he had a little bit of experience. I think he had a year at Texas A&M, but like, otherwise, like there's no one. And if, if that's kind of where the future of a lot of recruiting is and like you want to have an inroad in the south like Alabama does in Florida right now like do you want someone that knows the south so I'll stop rambling but I think Ashton, that, I almost like, I, I almost stopped you when you called Nevada Nevada considering I live in Nevada oh I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I've never been there I don't know how to say it. <laughs> um so I don't know I think I want Freeman but that that's my take I don't know what I just said let's go planning <laughs> Planning would be good. Uh, I don't want Matt Campbell. I like Freeman. Uh, yeah. I think you're preaching to the choir a little bit with myself and Mason when it comes down to uh, Matt Campbell. Me and him have never really been on that bandwagon for a lot of yeah. the reasons never. you've kind of reiterated. No, I don't get either. it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I, I mean, he's a, he, I know he's a young coach. He's like barely 40. And, you know, I'm sure he's had, I'm sure he has a long coaching career ahead and maybe he gets this type of gig in 10 years when he's proven a little bit more, but I just don't see it with him personally. Um, you know, I, I actually did want to mention this. I mean, obviously we're, we're kind of basing this podcast right now off reports that we're receiving in, in real time. Um, you know, Pete Sampson just, just said something on Twitter that made my eyes kind of open a little bit. It said, if Notre Dame has to make a move ahead coach, uh, sources indicate there would be some momentum among decision makers at the university to elevate Marcus Freeman. Um, that makes me kind of happy because it means that Notre Dame gets it. Um, yeah. And, and, and it means that they, they understand the importance of this recruiting class and next year's recruiting class and stuff like that specifically. Um, but as Mason said, I mean, I'm getting text messages up the wazoo right now and I'm, I'm just getting stuff here and there and I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I will say I'm like scrolling through Twitter as we're talking. So like Nolan Ziegler just tweeted crazy news, but I, I but you know, I'm still locked in. We keep moving forward and building this championship team. Let's do this thing at Marcus Freeman. So it's like, if Jack Swarbrick is not sitting there, like looking at this and being like, okay, like, because then also if, if you don't elevate Freeman, like, does he go to Virginia Tech? Does he go take a job somewhere else? Because it's not like no one wants him, you know? Um so it's like, do you not only promote Freeman for like consistency in the program, but to avoid him leaving if they, if he had not had the prior conversation with Kelly about him being the coach and waiting, which again, I don't know what they, what their conversation looked like. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking on Twitter as well. And Matt Fortuna, um, he respected guy at the athletic just tweeted, yep, this is awesome. how, this is usually how these things go. But Brian Kelly has ghosted everyone at Notre Dame just spoke to one assistant who saw reports on his phone tonight as he was exiting a recruit's house. And this is the quote, the news broke when I walked out of the house. So I look like a fucking asshole. End quote. I just read <laughs> I love that. I read it too. I just didn't want to cuss on, uh, on our pod, even though I'm usually the, the guy who does. Oh yeah. Not, it's I'm warranted. Not, not my words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's no, I mean, I, it's, this is crazy. I mean, I know John Harbaugh is a guy that's always been connected to Notre Dame. I doubt he leaves Baltimore, but who knows? <laughs> Um, and I, like I said, I know my, myself and Mason are going to get into some names when we get into our mailbag. Um, Harbaugh's but, daughter goes to Notre Dame. 
Yeah, yeah. I think isn't she like uh, or is it? A, I know Elston. Elston's lacrosse player. Yeah, lacrosse I, I was player. gonna say I know Elston's daughters are like fencing stars, who okay. could end up at Notre Dame eventually. But I forgot if Harbaugh's daughter was a fencing star or not. She's yeah, she's lacrosse. I think she's a sophomore, but she might be a junior. But she's definitely not a freshman. I know she's been there a year or two. <clears throat> gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think we could go on for days if we really wanted. To. <laughs> we could. Ashton, one thing I do want to say to you is that once once some of this stuff clears up, um, I think you've been an incredible addition to the podcast today, um, just in general with the back and forth. And we'd love to get you on when we're not getting things in real time and just where we can kind of <laughs> sit down and actually have real takes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I had an outline. <laughs> I, I sat down at about 2 p.m. and I made an outline about Stanford and I made I have cases and I have like pro cases and against cases for everyone in contention, except I don't have an against case for Georgia because it's Georgia, but otherwise, like I had a full outline and now it just doesn't matter. <laughs> so. Well, I appreciate know the, that I prepared. Well, before if anyone's before... listening to this and it's like, this girl's an idiot. Like, I mean, maybe I am, but like, I'm not this dumb. I just don't. Have <laughs> well, before you go, do you have any, uh, do you have any uh, sort of, a take for this weekend for championship weekend. I mean, do you, do you foresee any upsets? I, I know I'm kind of of the opinion that I don't know if I can predict one of the upsets actually happening, but it just like the idea that one of them will happen just seems like very high, just with the way college football is this year and in general all the time. Um, so what, I guess, what are the chances you'd give to Notre Dame making the playoff and what, what do you kind of expect this weekend? Yeah. So I think the most likely upset is Baylor over Oklahoma State. Uh, They obviously played earlier this year. Oklahoma State won by 10. The thing about Oklahoma State is with the exception of really TCU in the Big 12, like they can't blow people out because they don't really have an offense. They put up 63 on TCU. But other than that, like They've been basically between 20 and like 32 points all year. They're not blowing people out. Um, Their defense is incredible, but like, I I think that they're like, again, they can't really score. So I think that Baylor's defense is also very good. That's why Dave Aranda was at the top of a lot of people's coaching lists. I thought he was going to LSU. Ha ha. Um, But (laughs) I think that's the most likely upset. I don't think Alabama has a shot at beating Georgia. I just I, I just don't foresee it happening. If it does, it's very close. And then Notre Dame's very screwed because then Alabama's also getting in. And then um, Iowa over Michigan. Um, Iowa's a very good defense. Michigan has a very good defense. Michigan has a very good offense. The problem is Iowa's offense is absolutely atrocious. Um, I think that they can't, like, yeah, Iowa's defense is good. Maybe they hold Michigan to 24, but to beat Michigan, if they hold them to 24, they have to score 24 and they can't do that. So... I definitely, I don't foresee an upset happening there. Um, the Cincy Houston game, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that much about Houston other than I think they look pretty good. But I think your most likely upset is definitely Baylor over Oklahoma State. And in what that you, case, Notre Dame gets in, assuming Georgia beats Alabama. What do you got, Mason? Yeah, pretty much the same, actually. Um, I don't, I think that Alabama keeps it relatively close i think georgia wins by two scores um michigan and iowa uh, i could it'll be a low scoring game i would imagine uh, ashton said iowa can't really score points um michigan looked really good uh, what i am hoping for uh, given i live in northern indiana and michigan fans are just ridiculous um <laughs> i'm hoping that michigan comes out flat you know one of those kind of letdown games one of those 
So where, you know, you come off a big emotional win, you're first in like 10 years or whatever against your big rival that nobody thought you had a chance in. And then you go out and get beat in the Big Ten championship game. Personally, I'd love that. I think Michigan wins by 10 or 14 points. Um, outside of that, yeah, I don't know a ton about Houston. I think Cincinnati probably handles business. I don't know. what. Am I missing anything? Uh, the Baylor, Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, that one's a that one's a toss up for me. Um, I, I'll go ahead and take Baylor. I think I, I like that team a little bit more. Um, I don't really know why exactly. I just I think that Oklahoma State coming off a big win and a game that I don't even know if they really deserved. I think it'll be uh, <clears throat> it, it could be a letdown spot for them as well, given their schedule recently and you know how, how many big games they've had to play and how how many games are you really going to show up for? How many games can you give your hundred percent best and be able to win them. So I, Baylor's got a good squad and they'll be amped for this one. So I'll, I'll take Baylor in that one. Yeah. I think with Baylor and Oklahoma state, the thing that worries me the most is that we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback for Baylor. I think they started their, their backup. Uh, yeah. um, you know, obviously I prefer them if they have, if they have their starter. And I think similarly to Michigan having a letdown, I mean, Oklahoma state could possibly have a letdown when they, after beating Oklahoma, who was kind of like one of their bigger rivals as well, you know, in-state school that they, that, you know, that they love to beat on a yearly basis if they can. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of echo a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of what you guys have said overall. I mean, I, I do think that, that Michigan wins. I think they're too, they're too good for Iowa. The, um, but like what Mason said, I mean, I have a friend actually that works in my office with me, who's a big Michigan fan. And he was like, I don't even care if they beat Iowa. I don't care. I, of course I want to make the the college football playoff, but we finally beat Ohio state. And I was like, well, I hope the Michigan players have that same mentality. Cause that'd be nice. Yeah. A lot of them have, honestly, they're like, I don't even care anymore. Cause like they were expecting, I think the over under for Michigan, Michigan's like over under win total was like seven and a half. So they're like on cloud nine. Like not only do they have 11 wins, but they beat Ohio state. Like they're like, I don't care. Like whatever. Right. Right. And then the other thing with like, I guess with Georgia, like I, I do think Georgia is the best team in college football this year, but at the same time, like Alabama just seems to have their number in big games. So who knows what, what's going to happen there? I mean, obviously I doubt Jamison Williams ends up, you know, getting, uh, getting uh, ejected from the game for targeting um, in, in this one. So, I mean, they're going to have their best playmaker on offense. So, I mean, who knows? I, I would still predict Georgia to win that game, but that one just has a feel of, you know, oh, here we go. Alabama's in the playoff type of thing. Um, and then uh, with uh, – uh, what was the other one? I think, honestly, it's funny. Houston's the one. I mean, I don't know much about Houston. I don't even really know much about Cincinnati overall, even even though they played, you know, even though they played Notre Dame this year. I mean, I know they have a good defense. They have the probably the best corner in college football. Luke Fickle's a great coach. You know, Desmond Ritter is sort of hit or miss, I think, when they play good opponents. Um, yeah. But at the same time, a dynamic quarterback, um, just in general, at least at the collegiate level. But, you know, they've played some close games against way worse teams in Houston. So I think... They, you know, they'll be up for the game, but I think Houston will be up for the game too because it's going to essentially be their Super Bowl. So that's kind of the hope for me is that, you know, Houston just is able to kind of squeak by Cincinnati. And that might actually be, for me, the most um, the most obvious upset of, of them all because, you know, I mean, I think they're actually probably, probably similarly talented or from a talent perspective, I think they're very similar. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I'm with you. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that I'll – um, I mean, obviously excited to be uh, out of out of the country and va- on vacation. I'm going to miss these games, yeah. man. I'd like to leave the country right now. How do I get? I'm done. <laughs> uh, 
Brian Kelly might want to leave the country here soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope he. Uh, I don't think he does, but hopefully he's not a social media guy. He has the money to leave the country now. I'll tell you that much. That's Forever. true. But all right, Ashton. Like I said, it, we definitely want to have you on again um, when when things kind of settle down here in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> but uh, it was great having you on, guys. Thank <laughs> Thanks for if having you guys. Me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you guys aren't following uh, Ashton on Twitter. Um, like I said, she's she is a Notre Dame fan, but she's providing much more insight than my than myself and Mason in regards to other schools. You can follow her at Ashton Pollard Seven. Um, you know, very smart. Just look at her Twitter profile. She graduated from Penn. She graduated from from Northwestern. I graduated from UNLV. So you can put the pieces together there. Um, <laughs> Shit, I went to Ball State, dude. Uh, you might beat me on that one too, though. <laughs> But uh, but anyways, again, thanks Ashton for for coming on, and I, Thank I you. Hope, uh, hope to have you guys hope to have you on again soon. <laughs> Thank you, I'd love to. Appreciate a lot, baby. Thanks, Ashton. All right. Thank you again to uh, Ashton Pollard for coming on the podcast today. Uh, she does great work over at On Three Sports, um, up and coming site. And, uh, you know, we've already given our kudos to her, but again, appreciate her, her work. And as you guys know, she's a big Notre Dame fan, but very smart, graduated from, from Penn. And, um, you know, I think she's in grad school now or, or just graduated grad school as well with, uh, at, at Northwestern. So extremely smart, extremely talented, uh, in what she does and brought a lot to, uh, to the podcast today, but, but Mason, we wanted to start here and, um, or sorry, end the podcast, um, with kind of a new thing, we, we, we brought in some, some fan questions, um, kind of a new segment that we'd like to do every, every now and then, um, especially as we kind of get into the, to the summer and, um, or not the summer, but the, the off season for, for Notre Dame football, which kind of feels like the summer, I guess. And, um, and, and do this a little bit more often just so we can bring our insight uh, to you guys. So, um, got a few questions today. Uh, first one is going to be from, uh, D P E. TR12676. Um, <laughs> right, right. Is there room for David Cutcliffe um, without demoting anyone or hurting anyone's feelings? Um, Mason, go ahead and uh, go first and I'll, I'll follow up. Well, if you can find a room for a guy like that, you absolutely do it. Um, I don't know if you avoid hurting someone's feelings, but really, I don't care. A guy like that. I think he's one of the best minds in the game. And if you can find a role for him within your team, you you definitely do it. I'm not sure where exactly he fits. I mean, he was a head coach. So ideally he'd want to be a head coach again or be an offensive coordinator, but I'd, I'd rather keep Tommy Reese at this point. So uh, unless he wants to come in as an analyst, but that's really not Notre Dame's kind of thing with older coaches. Um, you know, you see Bama do that all the time, but Notre Dame's not Bama. So um, I, I like, I like the idea. I don't know how realistic it is. I see Cutcliffe being a head coach again, but, um, if he wants to be at Notre Dame, you give him every opportunity to do so. Yeah. With, I mean, with Kelly gone to LSU and we're going to, we have some more questions, uh, or at least being reported, I should say, we don't know for sure just yet if, if Kelly is going to LSU, but that is the report according to, to Pete Thamel. Um, and we, you know, we mentioned that earlier in the podcast as well, but you know, I think if Kelly were still on board with Notre Dame, there might be an opportunity for someone like David Cutcliffe to come on as an analyst. Kelly's a, a long respected head coach, um, an offensive coach. You know, Reese is still a very young offensive coordinator, assuming he's going to remain on the staff, which I would believe he will. And, you know, 
learning experience, I think, for Reese to have someone like that. Um, now, if something crazy happens and Notre Dame were to somehow promote Tommy Reese to head coach, which I don't think happens, obviously, but, you know, you never know. Um, then certainly David Clough or David Cudcliffe coming in as the offensive coordinator, I think would, would make a lot of sense. He'd be guru for, you know, for all intent and purposes. Um, and, and again, kind of the same thing. I mean, you have a young head coach, great guy to, to sort of help mentor that head coach. So um, with that said, don't see it happening, but certainly like you, like you mentioned, Mason would not, would not shy away from from doing that and bringing him in in some sort of capacity if you could. Um, let's get on here to uh, Corbin Whitney, twenty four, uh, a good a good buddy of ours. Actually, he has kind of a two part question. First one, uh, with Kelly leaving for LSU, what coaches do you think would follow him uh, to LSU? And then B or one B, what would be your ideal replacement for him? Um, and he goes in my in my opinion, Freeman or Fickle would be the two top options. Uh, which of these two would be the better choice? Uh, one who has plenty of experience and success with it um, as an, as a head coach or the one that's already familiar with Notre Dame. Um, so Mason, do you think anybody's going to end up leaving uh, with coach Kelly? I mean, I know it's still early on, but. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's likely um, it, it, that Brian Polian, the special teams coordinator and Mike Elston, both, uh, both have been around the program for a while with, Brian Kelly, some in longer stints or multiple stints, but um, I think that they, they could leave with Kelly. Lance Taylor has a great relationship with Brian Kelly as well. Um, just it's, This is a crazy situation that's kind of unfolding uh, in front of our eyes right now. It, it'll be tough to, tough to tell, really, and I think it, a lot of it is going to depend on how Kelly wants to what, – what he wants to do and his approach to uh, LSU and uh, his uh, the Notre Dame approach. So if you hire Marcus Freeman, if you hire a Luke Fickle, what is there? Does Fickle bring over some of his staff, or does he want to keep some of these guys? There's there's a lot of questions to be answered, and a lot of, I think a lot of it revolves around exactly what Kelly wants to do and how Notre Dame moves forward. But this is just an unbelievable scene we're having unfold in front of us right as we started uh, our podcast. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know. Uh, Mason, Mason and I essentially hopped on here with Ashton right when that FAML stuff came out. So we're still sort of, we haven't had a really a chance to go looking through Twitter or anything like that. A lot of this is just raw material. So, so bear with us. Um, and I think it should make for a good podcast for you guys when it comes out uh, tomorrow on, on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, kind of echoing what you said. I mean, I don't, it's weird. It, I mean, obviously, Brian Kelly, like I said, has this has a long coaching tree, has been around for a long time. So I'd be very shocked if someone didn't move with him. But at the same time, you know, guys like Mike Elston, they've only known the the Midwest. So the idea that Elston would go with him 100 percent, I'm not I don't think that that's for certain. Um, On top of that, Notre Dame or Brian Kelly has somewhat been reluctant to um, you know, hire him as his defensive coordinator. So maybe, you know, just maybe Marcus Freeman gets hired as the Notre Dame head coach. And he's a little bit more comfortable hiring someone like Elson as defensive coordinator, because he he's going to be the one running the show on defense. So that would be something of interest or, or something of note. Um, I would say um, got someone like Brian Polian, someone like Jeff Quinn, as much as I think those guys are, are better than maybe the Notre Dame, um, you know, fan base believes 
yeah, I could see them leaving uh, with him. I could see someone like Dell Alexander uh, leaving with him as well. Um, and then I, one, one little twist I'll throw in here. And even though this guy doesn't have a lot of uh, offensive coordinator experience per se, but someone like Lance Taylor, who went to Alabama, you know, he's, he, he, he played football in the South. Maybe, maybe Brian Kelly thinks enough of him to, to bring him on as the offensive coordinator. And then with that said, he probably would, would end up flipping or not flipping, but, you know, possibly bringing on one of their best running backs in Logan Diggs. Um, Want to think that Brian Kelly is a better person than that to start, you know, trying to bring kids with him from Notre Dame to, to LSU when he, um, you know, he's always preaching about academics and academic excellence and stuff like that. But, you know, who knows? Um, so, yeah, uh, those would kind of be the names I would look at. I don't think Tommy Reese leaves. Um, obviously, I don't think Marcus Freeman leaves. He's either going to end up at Cincinnati with Fickle coming to Notre Dame or possibly the Notre Dame head coach. Um and then, and then I don't think like guys like Mike Mickens and, and Chris O'Leary leave either. So um, certainly would be interesting. And then the second part to that question, I guess I'll go first here, Mason, and then, and then you can follow up. Um, I think my ideal replacement would be Marcus Freeman. Um, part of the reason is, is I, I think he is just darn. I, I don't really care about the head coaching experience to an extent. Um, and with that said, I think he would, would actually be able to hold on the Notre Dame recruits um, and commits and players uh, just in general. Um, and I think that's important. I know some people are like, well, forget about the commits and stuff like that. But at the same time, you have to build a roster. And if you have a lot of faith in Marcus Freeman, and I think that me and you both, there's the, at least the possibility that Notre Dame promised him this head coach in waiting thing when he got hired. Makes sense com- be with the fact that Kelly left there might have already been some rumblings that Kelly could take that job down the line or that he was more open to taking other jobs down the line um so maybe that's what attracted Marcus Freeman to this defensive coordinator job just my two cents not throwing anything out there that is of substance or that I've heard necessarily um but yeah so Marcus Freeman I think would not only hold on to the guys that they have specifically on the defensive side of the ball which they have a great class but I, again, I think he's going to be a really, really good um, coach down the line. After Freeman, though, Fickle's my next choice, um, mostly just because I think he's he's a really, really good head coach and would remain at Notre Dame for for many years. So Nathan, I, I'm I think you and I share kind of the same opinion there. I don't have too much else to add, but in my in my thoughts on on Fickle, I guess I get I get a little bit concerned because you you want a Notre Dame hire to be around for a long time. Um, Kelly's been around for since 2010, so this would be his 11th or, or 12th year, depending on the numbers. At 11th, 12th, either way. Um, so, does if it is fickle, I, I'd prefer it be Freeman. But if it is fickle, does it worry you at all that you know once that Ohio State job opens up that he would just bolt? I mean, I don't know how how long Ryan Day wants to stay at Ohio State, but he kind of um, he kind of strikes me as a guy that could go to the NFL. So, does does bringing in fickle does that scare you at all? Or I mean, it's not that it's a done deal by any means, but. You know, there's always that scenario. I mean, obviously we just saw Brian Kelly leave for a lot of money uh, to go to, to go to LSU, um, you know, and play for a program that a lot, at least a lot of people feel has a higher ceiling. Um, so in that sense, I mean, I'm never going to be, it's, you know, I'm never going to be not worried per se. I mean, I thought Brian Kelly was pretty much as, as, 
cut and dry as it gets to stay at Notre Dame until he retired. So it, it's very shocking news just in general. So, so yeah, certainly. I mean, and that's probably another reason why I would be more willing Freeman. Cause even though Freeman's an OSU guy as well, if that job ever did become open, I think that OSU would look for, for fickle first instead of, instead of poaching Freeman, unless of course, obviously Freeman just takes Notre Dame to a whole nother, nother level, but then you can, you can go back. Freeman after that um if if that was the case or, or sorry go back to fickle after that if that were the case so who knows um again a lot of a lot of stuff to kind of go down here and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes yeah just wild I'm trying to just wrap my head around around everything and uh you know while we're talking I'm kind of scrolling through Twitter and you're seeing tweets from Jarrett Patterson he just tweeted wow one word wow uh, Devin Moore, uh, Jaden Thomas, all just tweeting, wow, just, they just can't believe what's going on. Um, seems like they didn't know. Uh, I, I have to imagine that if this is the case, and it, and it looks all signs are pointing towards that it is the case, that uh, that Kelly might not have wanted it to come out this soon, and he'd rather break it to his team. But, um, man, if they, they had no idea, and it seems like nobody knew at all, if even guys like like Pete Sampson, who is a very respected guy that's been around the Notre Dame beat since around 2004, I believe. Didn't seem like he even knew. So I think this might have been a thing that's, you know, without a I'm, – I'm just kind of spitballing here, but it seems like a, a thing that was meant to ke- be kept under wraps for a little while until everything was sorted out, and then it is, uh, it's been broken and nobody seemed to have really known except for Kelly and, of course, LSU. So we heard the rumors this morning, and we kind of downplayed it, you and I, in a, in a couple group chats, just, you know, kind of saying that – they could offer whatever money Kelly would have to leave for something absurd. And it, it looks like LSU might have just offered him that. So, uh, man, it's not what I expected to, to be uh, reading as we, uh, as we started to begin our podcast. Not what we expected at all, man. Yeah. No, again, we're, we're, we're both somewhat speechless, to just to say the least. So, But let's move on to an, another question. This one is a little interesting because it came before the – before the Kelly news, but uh, this one's by GGNYC2013. Uh, what are the chances CJ Williams knew about the Lincoln Riley move ahead of time? Um, right, <laughs> right now, I don't think it matters too much. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that at this point, CJ Williams ends up committing to USC. Um, Brian Brian Kelly, you know, was certainly a a, a big figure in in, in landing CJ Williams to begin with. Now he has question marks around Notre Dame. Um, you know, for the future, even when he was already considering USC prior to the link. So with that said, um, I do think there were probably people in his ear that said Riley is uh, is a possible choice or he knew maybe even a few days prior. Um, but I mean, I don't think that he was so aware that he, you know, that 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 was going to end up being necessarily the deciding factor uh, in the end. Yeah, it's just – it's so crazy, man. I just uh, – my head's still spinning, Nathan. You might have to just carry this one. <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, it doesn't really matter too much about C.J. Williams in regards to the Lincoln-Riley news. I mean, he's either going to flip to USC or he's going to realize that why he committed to Notre Dame to begin with. Um, and ho- and hopefully Notre Dame, you know, makes the right hire um, and they're able to get in his ear. So, and, I, and I, again, I don't think that uh, Brian Kelly wanted this news to come out. No, I don't think um, he did either. And I, you have to imagine that he, uh, 
that he was already if he's already had question marks about Notre Dame beforehand and then now with all this craziness it's so much easier for him to just be like, you know what, I'm gonna take a step back and then, you know, go to USC as it seems like he already wanted to do. So Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll we'll move on again. Um let's say Freeman isn't the coach in waiting. This one's by Dirty Mike underscore zero one one. Um, let's say Freeman isn't the coach in waiting. Who do you think would be the top three candidates for the coaching position? Um, this one's obviously certainly in, uh, interesting. Um, you know, we've mentioned Freeman. We've mentioned Fickle. I think both of those guys are definitely in the top three. Um, another guy I would mention is is Ru- Matt Rule, um, who's with the Carolina Panthers. Maybe he doesn't leave the NFL after bolting, you know, at, um, you know when he took the Baylor job and he wasn't at Baylor for too long. Um, but there were always rumors of him when he was at Temple. Um, he'd be a great fit at Notre Dame overall. Um, and then a, a dark horse candidate that I don't think enough people are are, are talking about is, um, you know, not not Mark Stoops, but, but Bob Stoops. I mean, there's always been rumors since I was a little kid that Bob Stoops would maybe take over the Notre Dame gig. You know, he just became the interim head coach for Oklahoma, so I think it's very clear that he at least has some sort of coaching you know, aspirations uh, left. Um, so if it's, let's just say it's not Freeman and Notre Dame wants to go with a, an experienced head coach, I think it would go fickle. Matt rule would be a home run hire. At them. And then, um, it, you know, if they didn't get fickle and then, and then I think certainly Bob Stoops is another get, name to, to keep in mind. Uh, are we leaving out urban Meyer? I, I would, I don't think. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I know Notre mean, Dame, but <laughs> I know maybe Notre Dame at this point says screw it. Uh, I know there's pissed at Kelly for leaving, and you know, and they're like, you know what? Let's go get the cream of the crop. But I mean, does Urban Meyer leave Jacksonville? Maybe he gets fired from Jacksonville. <laughs> I don't know, but um, it would certainly be an entertaining hire if that happened. <laughs> it certainly would, and I know. I mean, his his off the field stuff is just it's horrible and it's such a distraction, but. You can't argue with results, I guess, especially in the college game. He hasn't really done it in the NFL, and he's been dealt a kind of a crappy hand in Jacksonville. But, man, if he uh, – the things he did at Ohio State and Ohio State and Notre Dame are completely different programs, but at the same time, he's a proven winner. I don't know. I saw people saying, go get Dabo. That's never going to happen. But, oh, my God. Notre Dame having their head coach essentially locked down until however long ago was something that – helped out the program a lot as much as change that we've seen. And now it's not the case. So I, I, oh man, I don't know. Guys, Mason's Mason. I'm reeling. Uh, going, going limp it, on it's us. Not going there. It's not <laughs> going gonna, at all. I'm, I'm reeling. And you're about to go to Mexico too. So even worse. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm going to be so fun to be with. Um, last question here from your boy, coach broom, double E. Uh, could we see Notre Dame flipping any uh, anybody in the 2022 class? Um, at this point, I think it's very likely. I mean, new coach is always going to bring new players. Plus, I think Notre Dame might lose out on a few guys, so they're almost going to have to flip some guys. Um, I mean, at the very least, they're going to have to hit the transfer portal if they don't. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, obviously, who the no- the new coach is. Um, I know they've been in on some safeties with the with the news that Nwankpa is probably not going to end up in the class. Uh, I can end up looking at some wide receiver help, you know, and then always, you always get some, some rando names. I mean, Kari G was a guy we weren't probably even thinking about at this point in time last, last year. 
Um, and then all of a sudden he was in the class. So, you know, you just never know if it's Luke fickle, maybe a Cincinnati kid comes around, maybe, um, you know, maybe a kid that really likes Luke fickle, but didn't want to play, you know, for a, a G five school, you know, follows him to Notre Dame. I, I don't know. Maybe Marcus Freeman, if he's the, if he's the coach, um, you know, liked a few kids that Brian Kelly didn't for whatever reason, who knows? So, um, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly some interesting factors there, but I think at this point in time with a new head coach for Notre Dame, seemingly probably announced in the next week or so at the, at the bare minimum, um, you're looking at some flips partly for good reasons, partly for bad reasons. Yeah. At this point, my focus would stick with the 2022 class, which is in all things considered a very, very good one. And I think it's it's very likely that a couple guys um, either decommit or, you know, flip, um, step off their decision and go figure out what they want to do. Uh, they A lot of guys in this class we weren't, we weren't really worried about. They were locked in for, uh, for this class, locked into Coach Kelly. And we know that he hasn't been a super active recruiter, although that's something he, he's worked on and improved on clearly. But um, a lot of these guys seem to, at least the defensive side, which has been the emphasis besides, uh, you know, Merriweather, uh, Williams, and then Jadarian Price are three really studs on the, uh, on the offensive side. But as far as defense, that's where a lot of your studs lie, and that's where Marcus Freeman comes in. So hang on to Freeman, hang on to your studs. And I really, I'd just be happy if this, this 2022 class stayed, uh, just stayed intact. I, my phone's exploding. I'm trying to... <laughs> Um, I'd, I'd be happy if this 2022 class just stayed intact rather than going out to get anybody else. Just don't lose anybody. I'm happy with the class the way it is. If you can keep it intact and go get somebody else, fine. But, oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. But, guys, we're going to get out of here. Obviously, you can see that, um, you know, we have a lot of digging to do ourselves and, and see what's going to go happen and stuff like that. But uh, this should be a uh, – uh, an interesting podcast for you guys tomorrow. Again, thank you for Ashton Pollard of On Three Sports for joining us today. And um, of course, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 we might have to throw in another pod here soon. Just to, uh, you know, once a breaking news pod, once uh, whoever is announced as a Notre Dame head coach or or whatever goes down here in the next couple of days. So, uh, but Mason, enjoy your time, obviously in in Mexico, and I'm sure we won't be able to get on until next week. But we'll have a lot of info for you guys then.